Welcome to Femme Collective with Katie, Stacy, and Mai. Before we jump in today's episode, we all wanted to thank you for your support since we launched the podcast last week. We've already had a hundred downloads and we're so, so grateful that you've time. I know, celebrate <laughs> to listen in on our first few episodes. So just make sure you follow our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you can get notified whenever we post new episodes so that you can keep up with us. So on today's episode, it's going to be a little heavy today. We're going to be discussing our stories and our challenges with postpartum recovery and postpartum depression. We want to give you a warning um, that some of the content we share today, it may trigger you if you've dealt with any type of trauma or depression or anxiety. So we wanted to, to provide that disclaimer to you before you take a listen. We also are going to be discussing some heavy topics and some things that you may need to seek a medical professional on. So just to be clear, we are not medical professionals and nothing that we share today should be considered as a diagnosis or a treatment. If you're facing any type of the, any kind of issues that we deal with or that we've dealt with and that we're discussing today, just please make sure you consult a medical professional and or a licensed therapist. So I'm going to jump right into it today. I'm going to be the first one that's going to kind of talk about what my postpartum struggles were um, during both of my pregnancies. And so with my first baby, my daughter, which I had her back in 2016, it was such an exciting experience. And I remember after having her, I was so focused on just being a great mom and making sure that I was prepared and that I was educated on breastfeeding. My husband and I went to all of the classes to make sure we knew what we were doing. Like we were really, we were really into it and we wanted to make sure that we did our absolute best as parents. So that's really where my focus was on the time going into delivering my baby, my daughter, I had to have a C-section. So that in and of itself has a little bit of different recovery processes. Um, It takes a little bit longer to recover than if you have a vaginal delivery or natural delivery. Um, So that was at play as well too. Um, And I just remember after having my baby, I definitely felt huge bursts of love for her. But as I started getting back home and getting into the swing of motherhood, I just remember being a little bit confused about how I was feeling Um, because I had felt so kind of like disconnected and isolated and very lonely. And it was confusing because I, in my head, I was like, I've been preparing for this moment. I should be happy. Like I should be like euphoric and just romanticizing about this baby and all of that. But I was not feeling that way. So there was this huge disconnection between how I thought I should feel versus how I was actually feeling. Um, And then that in and of itself was also causing some issues, um, almost like some guilt and shame for like, I should not feel this way, but I am. At the time, I wasn't really thinking postpartum depression because it was my first time having a baby. And I just thought, okay, maybe this is normal. Um, And when I talked to other mothers too, not directly asking them about depression or anything, you would just hear a lot of moms even prepare you beforehand and tell you things like, oh, it's, you're going to love it, but it's going to be hard. And so I'm like, well, maybe this is the hard that they're talking about not really not realizing that I was actually having some mental health struggles. Um, And then, you know, fast forward through my, through my maternity leave and actually coming back to work almost a year later after having my first baby, 
I was really struggling after going back to work um, to the point of whenever I would just start thinking about the challenges I had becoming a new mom, if I would even just think about it, I would start crying. And I knew that that was not normal. Um, and I remember going to a family event and my sister seeing my skin and she was like, why are you breaking out in hives? And I remember just telling her, I'm just, I'm just so stressed, you know, with motherhood and transitioning into becoming a new mom and it's like affecting me. And so other people were kind of seeing some things going on. And I remember even sitting at a table talking to my husband and actually telling him for the first time that, Hey, I was I didn't realize it, but I was dealing with postpartum depression. I felt so isolated and lonely. And part of the issue I remember talking to him about was the fact that we lived in a town that was four hours away from my family. So I didn't really have my mom there. I didn't have my support system that was normally there through any huge changes in my life. And so I longed for that. And so there was some heartbreak there, like wanting my family to be around me. They supported me, but they can only do so much when they live far away. I did want to just shout out my friends real quick when I was down there, because although they had their own lives, they were, they tried to be there for me too, whether it was like bringing me a meal or whether it was just coming over to hold my baby when I first had her to give me some kind of break. Cause my husband had to go back to work really quickly that first pregnancy too, um, and so that was very helpful as well, but just having to feel like I wasn't measuring up after I went back to work was very difficult for me. And so after realizing that I would cry every time I would even think about this or talk about this subject, I reached out to get some therapy through, um, through the, the agency that I work for. They provide six free sessions. I was like, hey, it's free. I need the support. I'm going to just do it and see what happens. It was my first time ever doing therapy. So I didn't really know what to expect. But I remember my very first appointment, I cried literally the whole time. <laughs> the whole time of the appointment, I cried because I had been carrying all of this around. And through the therapy sessions that I had with my therapist, I was able to realize that coming back to work was really triggering the postpartum depression that I didn't really realize that I had because it was very centered in the fact that I felt like I, I wasn't measuring up as a mom. And I felt this very, very strong sense of failure. And it wasn't rooted in anything logical at all. Like it wasn't like I had did something wrong. It wasn't like I messed up or anything like that, but this looming sense of failure would not leave me. And then so coming back to work and trying to balance everything and feeling like I wasn't measuring up was triggering those feelings again. And because I had never worked through them, I had never fully processed all of that. So going through therapy really helped me that first time with postpartum depression. I'm so Thanks. thankful for my therapist. Yeah, go ahead. Can I, I wanted to ask you something. So you said something that I think a lot of people can relate to. I know I can, but you had this looming sense of failure. And I remember when I transitioned from uh, parental leave with my daughter back to work, it's like, you feel like you're barely hanging on yeah. and barely able to manage everything when you're on leave and at home with your baby, that how can you do it all plus a career? And I wondered if that's part of what you felt was not just that, oh, you you have to go to work, but you know, how are you going to be as good as you want to be at both of these things that are important to you at the same time when you just didn't even feel like you could hang on doing the one thing all by itself? 
That's a very good way to put it. I love that. And I think a lot of people, a lot of moms can relate to that because you're already just trying to figure out, especially if you're, it's a first time parent kind of thing. You're already just trying to figure out this motherhood thing. Like, what is that even? Like, you can talk about it all day long, but you're not going to know unless you become a mom like that. Like you just not. (laughs) So yeah, then tacking that onto a full-time job, it's like, wait a minute, how am I supposed to do all of this? So I, yeah, 100%. Um, So that postpartum depression experience, I, I don't want to misconstrue it, but I would I would call it mild in comparison to the second time I dealt with postpartum depression, which I'm going to go into now. So I got through that, thankfully, through the support of, you know, friends, family, and a therapist and was ready to have my second baby. I didn't want my kids to be too far apart. I wanted them to grow up together. Um, And so me and my husband decided that we wanted to start trying for our second baby. Um, We were super excited. We already had a daughter and then we were going to have a son, we found out. So that was all exciting. Again, a lot of excitement building up into having the baby. Um, I was, had to have a C-section again, that second time as well. And so there was a little bit longer of recovery time as well too. And I remember uh, like about two weeks after my appointment, you have to go back to your OB to get your, your C-section incision checked. And I remember sitting in the car after the appointment and my husband looking over at me and asking me, are are you dealing with postpartum depression again? And I remember feeling like my body was literally going to just fall apart on me. Like I felt like I was going to literally crack at the seams when he asked me that, because it was like, I had to face it at that moment, even though deep down, I knew I was dealing with with it again. I wasn't mentally, I didn't have any energy to deal with the fact that I was going to deal with postpartum depression again. Like I'm not even getting any sleep. Like my baby is waking me up every 45 minutes to nurse. Like I'm barely coherent and I'm being faced with this question about, am I dealing with postpartum depression again? When I knew deep down I was, I remember telling him no, because I didn't have the energy to even talk about that at that point. I'm hoping that it was, I was hoping that it was the baby blues, which is the baby blues is what a lot of moms get. Like it's anywhere between like three to 14 days where you just have kind of feelings of sadness, but it usually subsides after that. So I was kind of like hoping that's what it was, even though again, deep down, I knew it wasn't. Um, and the, some of the other reasons why I think it was much more severe this time is because I had a lot of external traumatic events, I'll call them that were going on as well. Um, I was selling my house, which was something I took on my own. that I didn't need to do at that time, but I get ambitious sometimes. And I'm like, Oh, I can do this. I can do that. And so I was like, let me sell my house two months after having a baby, which I've never sold a house before. So I didn't really know, understand how stressful that was. Yeah. And then we were moving. I was trying to pack my house predominantly by myself because my husband was still at work full-time while I was on maternity leave with my second baby. Um, And then, so when we're we're moving into a new house, I haven't found a new preschool for my daughter yet. So I'm home with two kids at that point, getting very little sleep. So I know the sleep deprivation contributed to it as well. And then I also had a close family member get into some legal troubles. And so that was looming on me because my heart was going out to them. And how can I support that person that's going through that? Um, and so it's just like, these things were piling on me when I was already hormonally imbalanced anyway. Um, I also remember just dealing with my daughter having to get a tonsillectomy. Mm. 
within that same time period as well. And not realizing how tough of a recovery that would be for her. She was only three years old at the time. And I have a picture and I remember I took a selfie because I had my newborn in one arm and I had my daughter in the other with her eyes closed because she was so just weak from the surgery. And I remember being by myself, like in the moment I felt overwhelmed, but I was still so proud of myself. Like I can do these hard things. Like I can take care of someone who, a child who just dealt with surgery and also a newborn, like, although I'm struggling, I'm still strong. So like, I remember having that even in the midst of all the sadness, I remember having a good moment during that time. And then once we moved into our house is when I really started struggling pretty badly. I remember going to my, with my OB and you have a couple of checkup appointments after that too. And they always will give you the screening test after you have a baby, they'll give you a postpartum depression questionnaire and they give it to you kind of at several points. I even had my pediatrician for my kids. They gave it to me. And I remember every time they're like, you're failing the postpartum depression test. And I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> like, am I? <laughs> oh, wow. um, knowing that I had it. Um, and I remember my OB like having a conversation. And I remember her looking me in the eye and she was like, you can try to find therapy. She was like, and you, that it just, it takes time sometimes to get with the right therapist. And she was like, I, I prescribe a lot of my OB patients with antidepressants when they're dealing with postpartum depression. She was like, and she looked me in the eye and she was like, this is such a beautiful moment. Like you should be able to enjoy this. You shouldn't be as sad as you are during these beautiful stages of your baby. And I remember that striking me so much, like she's a right, like I'm just going through the motions when this should be quote unquote, like a magical time. And it really is a magical time. But if you are so shifted mentally because of this darkness that's looming over you from dealing with postpartum depression, it's hard to enjoy that. And I remember telling her, well, I'm going to try other stuff first, mm-hmm. you know, and she was just like, okay, well, the prescription is ready to go. I remember her saying like, when, whenever you want it, she's like, call the nurse back and we'll make sure you get it. And I was like, you know, I'm noting that because I know I'm kind of on edge and I need to remember this. Yeah. So I remember making a note of that and still trying things on my own. And it got to a point where every morning I remember waking up, looking in the mirror and I would just cry. And when I put a finger on what I was feeling, I was crying because I felt overwhelmed. I felt hollow. Like it's, it's kind of crazy to describe it because you feel so numb Mm -hmm. and you would think by feeling numb, you wouldn't feel anything but you felt so numb that that made you feel so low and empty and disconnected. And it felt like there was this dark cloud, like looming and following me that I could not shake. Mm -hmm. And I remember my OB, she knew me through my whole pregnancy. So she was like, I know your personality. I remember her telling me, she's like, you are so energetic. You're so bright. Like, she's like, this isn't, you're not you right now. And she could even pick up on that. And I remember other people being like, I see it in your eyes. Like, I don't even see mm-hmm. Stacy anymore. Um, and if you ever have a conversation with me and we talk about having more babies, I love, love, love my babies. But dealing with postpartum depression the way that I did the second time is one of the reasons I won't have any more kids. And that's because I, I can't go back there again. I'm sorry, Sweeney. Me too. I didn't know that. 
Yeah, I can't go back to that dark place again. It was a very, very dark place. And I remember telling one of my friends who's also, she's really into mental health. And I remember talking to her and I remember telling her, I said, I never had feelings of wanting to harm my baby or wanting to harm myself. I said, but I finally had insight into why some people feel like they want to harm themselves. Like I finally understood why, because you just don't want to feel that way anymore. You want it to go you away. You want it to go away so bad that you don't want to deal with it. Stacy, I, I did want to ask you um, an, a little bit ago, just in all of this, um, I know that as a woman of God and you have really strong faith, but like, how do you feel? Like, what, what, what role did that even have in, 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 in this moment in your life? I'm glad you asked that. I think that that was also a challenge for me too, because I have so much faith. I was like thinking like, I need to, I can be claiming scriptures over myself. Like I have mm-hmm. that kind of faith. I'm like, I can be speaking life over myself right now. Like, and I was trying to do those things and I still was spending my time with God and I was still praying and still seeking God out. And I knew he was there with me through all of it. But the thing that comes to mind too, is like, even when we are in dark places, it doesn't mean that God's not there. It just means we're in a dark place and that's the extent of it. And God has placed people in this earth to help us through those kind of things. Like he's placed medical professionals in our path. He's given people gifts with therapy. And so it's like, yes, while I was like hopeful that I could shake it through my faith and through my prayer, that wasn't what was doing it at that time. It was a combination of that. And then God saying, seek, use wisdom and seek help where you can too. Like I didn't give these people gifts in the medical field for you to just try to do this alone. Yes. I give people gifts of therapy and being able to work through you and support you for you to go through this alone. So you have to reconcile to that point too. If you've kind of historically been like, I'm going to pray my way through this, or I'm going to have enough faith to get through this. It definitely is a cornerstone when you go through trials, but I think we have to recognize when it's going to go beyond just the prayer. It's going to take some action sometimes, just like the Bible says, faith without action is dead. So I can have my faith, but if I'm not taking action to seek out the support that he's given to me, then he's like, hello, I told you <laughs> like, yeah. so, but it was kind of frustrating at first. Cause I'm like, why can't I pray myself out of this? Like, what do I, what's wrong with my prayer life or, you know, something wrong with my relationship with God, but he brought me to the place. Like I just explained and it was like, no, nothing is wrong. You just you need help. <laughs> yeah. And it's and another thing, big thing. I think that, I mean, that, you know, but some people forget it's about chemistry, not Christianity. Mm-hmm. I, even one of my friends that dealt with postpartum depression and as that, and people that I know that have dealt with mental illnesses as a whole and mental health problems, it's like, we sometimes tend to forget those things, right? God created us. He created us a, a being. We, we, we have our nerves and our muscles. I mean, we have issues that we deal with at all time within our brain or even outside of our brain. And sometimes the hormonal imbalance, mm-hmm. the chemical imbalance, all the things that are changing within our body, it has nothing to do with our Christianity, nothing. And everything, everything to do with the fact that we were wired a certain way and there's a chemistry thing going on inside of us. And there's something going on that needs to be addressed. And yes, like yeah. you said, we seek the Lord, but he's also given wisdom to many people in different areas of expertise, in different fields. And that's where we're, we're almost, you know, 
I like to see it as we're thanking God, where we're celebrating all of his creation when we tend to seek out help from different, different people, not just like you said, the Bible and scripture and prayer, which are all important. But again, it's about chemistry, not Christianity. And I think that that's the issue that a lot of people within um, minority communities, but then also even just moms, mamas, we try to be so strong. And, and I like how you described it. You were grateful for your babies. You were taking care of two babies during a hard time in general, newborn and a, and a, and a baby going through surgery. And a lot of times postpartum depression doesn't look like we want to harm them or we're neglecting them. It right. just looks like more than anything, like we're not fully, we're not there. We're not fully present. We're not in that moment, but we're still taking care of our stuff. I mean, we're still getting stuff done because we know how. Because we know we have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no other choice. Yeah, I love that you said that. Um, and I hope that that's clear too. I think like you kind of mentioned too with mamas, I did have, I do remember having some kind of shame and embarrassment. And I'm like a mental health advocate. Like if you talk to anybody, I'm like, oh, you need to, you probably need to go to therapy for that. I'm like, hey, have you tried therapy? I can help you find a therapist. Like that's me all day. But even with that, I still, even though I'm that way, I still had a level of shame and guilt about the fact that I was dealing with this. And then these other things start coming in your head. Like, are people going to think I just want attention? Are people going to think that I'm playing a victim or, you know, I'm just feeling sorry for myself. And I'm like, oh no, I kind of like with my, with my, mentioned in an earlier episode that she's a strong person. I'm like, no, I want people to see me as strong. I'm a strong mama. Like I don't just, you know, fumble at the, you know, the crossroads of dealing with challenges. Like that's not me. And so there, there's just so many dynamics that go on with it and definitely the hormonal piece. And you know, also if you have, if you have a genetic predisposition towards depression, your likelihood of dealing with postpartum depression is higher after a baby. And I have mental health challenges in my family. So there was a higher, you know, predisposition for me to actually have to have to deal with it from a hormonal standpoint, which one of my therapists had had to even remind me about to make me feel like this is not just you, like there's genetic components, there's external components. There's just so many things at play. Um, but what I do want to highlight too is as, as dark as it felt during those times, you know, I, I don't forget the times when people were there for me. Like that even stands out more than the darkness, the ho- the darkness, the hopelessness, all of that is just the simple, genuine check-ins on me or the simple, genuine, I see you. I see you're dealing with some challenges. How can I be there for you? I will come hang out with you. I remember a friend told me that she was like, I will come anytime if you're lonely, like, and just knowing how much that meant too. Um, And I want to touch on one more thing before um, I stopped sharing about my struggles is I had this one issue where I faced this during both pregnancies and this isn't talked about a lot. And this is one of the reasons it was a struggle for me, but there's this thing that's called DMER that I wish I had the correct terminology for it. But basically for breastfeeding moms, sometimes whenever we have a letdown, which is when our breasts released milk, we immediately have these overwhelming senses of hopelessness and anxiety and panic. And I had that. And it was scary, even though it only lasts for a few seconds for me, it was just overwhelming. And so I started researching and looking it up and what helped me through it is realizing that 
eventually it gets better. And then once you recognize what it is, you can usually push through it since it's such a short period of time. But I wanted to just touch on that too, because it's not talked about a lot yet. Um, and so if you're dealing with anything like that, I would just say to look that up, but just to know too that it's usually pretty temporary in time from when you have your letdown. And that really helps to mentally talk yourself through it when you're going through that. I've never even heard of that. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you brought that up. I'm sure someone listening to this is going to feel better as a result of knowing that it's a, that there's a, a reason and a source behind that, those feelings and that there's nothing wrong with them. I just recently heard of that, of uh, this, this fitness um, bodybuilder uh, woman just had a baby and she said that she chose to, to not breastfeed the second time around because of how it was for her the first time around. And I love that. Just the fact that now we are um, as a community, yep, their breastfeeding is, is well known why it's so great for our children, why it's something that it's going to give them great benefits, but we have to understand that there's nothing that's going to be better than their mom being healthy and fully there, right? Nothing. So if as a mom, you're able to say, you know what, I understand breastfeeding is great, but my mental health, I think is above that. And I'm, I'm not going to breastfeed this second time around. I'm just going to just look for the best breast, um, the best um, formula there is out there. Even if I get it from another country with more FDA regulations, whatever <laughs> it may be, but I'm going to do that for my child, you know, and, and that's where I, I, I'm really happy to see. I think that in the, in the motherhood community now, I feel like there's less shaming. I'm sure there's a lot of shaming still going on, but I think it's a little, it's more welcoming, more accepting to where you know, breastfeeding is great, but formula is okay too. Everyone has their reason for whatever they need to do, for whatever they reason they choose to do one or the other. And as long as your, your kid's best interest is at heart, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you said that um, because I remember it's gotten better, like you said, but I remember when I had my first baby, I, were, I remember putting so much pressure on myself to breastfeed. And it was just like, I got it. Like I guess if we were going to the classes, I got to get it right. Like my husband knew how important it was to me. So he was ready to go. He was like, baby's hungry. They're rooting. He was like on it. Cause he was like, I know this <laughs> to her. I don't want her getting upset. And so I'm going to make sure I'm helping her to be successful. Like he was one of the main reasons I was successful in my breastfeeding journey, because he was always alert to the signs of when they were ready to nurse. But I feel like the breastfeeding formula could topic could be a whole discussion because yes. there's so much shaming around that because we put so much pressure on ourselves and on others and judging them. But I love how you said mine, that your mental health is priority because that impacts how you're going to mother and how you're going to love more than the breastfeeding secondary to that. Most certainly. I love that you said that. I think this is a great segue just to, to go into, you know, what I dealt with, which I'll, I'll call them postpartum, just struggles, recovery, life changes. Uh, I did not deal with postpartum depression you know, hearing Stacy discuss everything she went through the first and second time around, you know, I can definitely sympathize with it and, and I, I feel it, but I can't say that I dealt with it. And, and one thing I did deal with though, talking a little bit about breastfeeding reminded me, it was just the fact that after I had my son and my daughter, I just struggled with the fact that like my body did not feel like my body anymore. My time did not feel like my time. It just felt like I was constantly, you mentioned it, Stacey, 
And even like, I think Katie, where you just feel like you don't measure up. So I did deal with that. I dealt with the, the typical baby blues, but it was like that constant thing. Like, why don't I feel connected to my child as soon as they come out of the womb? Why don't I want to, why don't I feel that like bonding moment when I'm breastfeeding my child, when we're home in the mornings and in the evenings? Why is it that I don't feel completely overjoyed? You know, just by, by seeing my baby's cute little face. I, I definitely just didn't, I didn't feel that connection um, immediately. And, and definitely during the time that I was home for maternity leave. And um, I think that, that that was my biggest struggle for me just in both pregnancies, but more so in the first one, just the realization of being a first time mom and, and all of that responsibility that comes with, with being a mother and knowing that this little person relies on me for every single thing. I also had to deal with C-section both time around. So that's where partly I felt like my body wasn't my body. Uh, I wasn't recovering as fast as I wanted to. Uh, my, my belly was looking a little flabby, bunch of stretch marks. So, so I did, I, I still deal, you know, I'll be completely honest. You know, even when I look at my body now, when I think back to, ooh, what was my body uh, pre-babies? There's nothing like it. And, and I think that now I'm starting to just really, now, right, years after having my children, after seeking therapy because of, of all of these issues, I'm starting to just admire the fact that my body was able to do that, where a lot of women can't, uh, and it's, it's very hard for them, but then also just admire the fact that I can recover, and even years later, I can come to a new, a new healthier relationship with myself to be able to just be happy with it all. So I, I know I said in a few episodes ago that after having my kids, that's honestly when I started seeking and valuing female relationships. That's when I started um, really appreciating and admiring my mom, having four kids and, and, and loving, oh, yeah. loving every minute of it, right? So I had that, that whole comparison issue where I remember the things my mom did and, I was, and I'd say to myself, I don't do that. I mean, uh, will I still be able to achieve my dreams? <sighs> To, to still the career goals that I have, will I, will I be able to accomplish those now that I'm a mom? So I dealt with a lot of that while I see other moms are just like super excited to, to have as many babies as they can and, <laughs> and love every single one of them individually, uniquely. And, um, you know, I, I didn't mention I'm so that. impressed by that. When I, I, when I see, I mean, I love those women. I am so proud and happy and grateful that there are women out there like that who can just have so many babies and be at home with them all day and truly love it not to say that it's not hard but oh, yeah that blows me away I I, I mean I, I think the world is full of all kinds of kinds of people but I mean that's just so impressive to me yes it's very impressive to me especially since I think my mom was one of those women and <laughs> my mom too I just oh, felt like kids. I could never, I, so I dealt with like, I could never measure up to her. Right. Which I'm sure that's like a whole nother episode. We could talk about a whole nother topic. Write that down. Talk about. <laughs> but, um, and my mom's a great mom till this day. And I will say that I know today, the reason I was able to get through all of the different postpartum struggles I dealt with was because of my huge support system. So when I heard Stacy talk about, you know, how lonely she felt, it broke my heart because I knew even in that moment, I even realized further that having my mom around, having my, my, mm. my husband around as much as he was, and all of the other people that helped me, family members and friends, 
during those times, they were the reason why I know I was able to, to get through it, even when I went back to work, even when I wasn't with my child 24-7. So just knowing that, you know, the support means everything to me and, and definitely from, from my mother, but just in general, you know, I don't, I don't take it for granted. So what I, I, that's pretty much what I wanted to share about my situation. Um, like I said, I didn't deal with postpartum depression. So there, there wasn't too much to share there other than that. It was clear to me how selfish I was <laughs> once I had children. Um, and, and, and I think that, you know, God's still working <laughs> on me. So I, I do thank him for loving me in spite of all my flaws. But what I, I did want to say is I want to hear a little bit from Katie. I know that, you know, Katie's situation was more of a mix between uh, Stacy's and, and mine. And, and I think that that's what makes it especially unique and something that a lot of people can relate to. I mean, I knew this would be a hard discussion for us to have, um, especially because the severity um, with which Stacy experienced some of this postpartum depression. And man, it really has lived up to that. It has lived up to being a really hard discussion. So I just want to tell you both, I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. We all made it through. Um, and hopefully anyone listening can hear that we're on the other side of it too. And so just for some uh, context, my husband and I tried for a really long time uh, to conceive. It ended up being a little more than five years that it took us and it took all sorts of intervention and um, different things. So, you know, fertility probably is a whole, a whole different topic for us to talk about too, but we did a bunch of different kinds of, uh, infertility treatment. We had, we had something called unexplained infertility, which, uh, you know, you think might sound good, but to us, it's like still no answer, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, ultimately we ended up being successful with an IVF treatment. In fact, I, uh, through the whole process of, uh, you know, kind of getting my body ready to produce a bunch of eggs and, you know, taking the eggs and the sperm and fertilizing and growing those eggs into embryos. And I only ended up having one single embryo and that was it. And I remember thinking beforehand, how can I do this, um, from a, moral standpoint? What if I have a bunch of eggs that are fertilized and I don't ever implant them, you know, that kind of whole process. And I'm so grateful that I never, ever had to figure out what to do with that, because I think that was a big, huge moral hangup for me. And I'm glad I didn't have to make any, any decision about that, but we had one embryo and I actually took six weeks off of work right before we did the implantation. So, um, I was in a, a job where I felt a, a fair bit of stress and I knew that with this one time, I mean, I didn't want to do the IVF process again. And I only had the one embryo. I really, really wanted it to work. Everyone wants it to work every time they try, but I didn't want to have to go through the entire process all over again. So took six weeks off of work. I meditated and prayed and did yoga every day and nourished my body and really, 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 I mean, I seriously like spoke to my body, um, trying to get it prepared for this process. And she, she, uh, it, it worked. And I had a daughter nine months later, but we were after all of that, mostly just to say we were certain that we were ready for, for a baby certain of it, five years, 
you know, who knows how many tens of thousands of dollars. I try not to calculate it all. You know, I mean, we were absolutely ready for this baby, all the classes. Um, but nope, nope. You, um, there is nothing to prepare you for the transition from going to doing anything you want, anytime you want for yourselves to never doing that again for a very, very long time. No one can explain it to you. You cannot prepare for it. Um, no one can persuade you how difficult this can be. And it really, really is. I don't know if it's better or worse to have babies earlier or later in life, but we already knew what freedom was like. Um, and we already knew what it was like to travel and to wake up late and to go to brunch all the time and, and you know, have the funds finally to do it. Not like college, you know, where you don't really, but um, well, so we already knew that. So there was, um, even during my pregnancy, I could feel myself mourning the loss of my individuality, the loss of my sense of self. And I think I remember calling both of you probably, but I, I certainly remember calling my and talking about that. Like, is this normal? Is this normal to already feel this, like know that it's never going to be the same. And um, as happy as I was, I mean, that that's the thing, you know, there's a term for this called cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. where you can hold like two competing thoughts and then both still be valid. Right. So I can be so, so overwhelmingly uh, you know, joyous that I'm pregnant finally with this miracle child that I've always wanted, but then also be really worried that I may never be myself again, or I may lose myself. And so that, that did kind of come to fruition. You know, you, you have a baby and it is so overwhelming um, but really wonderful too. I mean, it's just, it, it's so cliche because everyone tells you that it's going to be so wonderful and the best thing you ever did, but the hardest thing you ever did. And you're like, but what does that mean? Really? <laughs> well, well they, never it's, um, the over, they never explain the overwhelming, like what about it is overwhelming? <laughs> like, yeah, right. It, exactly. Like taking and care of a just, human. You mean like caring, mm-hmm. being in charge of a whole human being's life? That's every millisecond, every day, (laughs) every day, every every hour moment. Oh, it is exhausting, but it really does get better. It gets better and better all the time, you know, and it it slowly does because I was not a fan of the newborn stage. And, and I definitely had some depression after the baby and I was pretty cautious about it. Um, One of my best friends is a, a pediatrician and she lived only a couple blocks away and my OB lives across the street from me and we're good friends too. So, and the, you know, two of the OB nurses live in my neighborhood. One of them delivered my baby. So it's like, that's, that's I had some really good, I know, I know um, it. And so they were always checking on me. I mean, every checkup, even in between checkups, I would get the, okay, here's, okay, this is what would be normal. This is what wouldn't be. But COVID too, I mean, I'll I'll never be able to distinguish um, which thing brought me lowest. Was it COVID or was it postpartum depression? But I don't really need to know. Um, I, I don't really need to figure it out. But I sought medical help for that. Um, talk to my doctor in depth, both of whom, you know, my OB and my pediatrician, who I trust so much. And, you know, they talked about the percentage of, of any of the medicine that would come through milk. Mm-hmm. And that's a low acceptable enough level to all of, you know, the American Pediatric Association and the OBGYN Association. So if they say so, 
And that thing is going to help me. And like both of you have said today, you know, you have to try to figure out how to prioritize yourself so that you can provide the best care to your baby. And that's what I tried to think about. Um, I'm also pretty good at compartmentalizing. So like once I make this decision, I, I can like go, okay, I, you know, I thought it through. I asked all the people I needed to ask. Um, I'm good. I'm going to take it every day. I'm still taking that medicine. They ask to, they ask you to give them nine months because of a, I will totally botch this. And I'm so glad Stacy put a disclaimer at the beginning, but you know, it's something about uh, the rewiring of neurotransmitters um, <laughs> to your brain. And so it needs, it needs a period of time to permanently rewire those things. And so they ask you to please, please do that for nine months. But it was life-changing for me. I mean, there was one day where I was just, uh, my husband came in to ask me a question and I just couldn't even answer him. And I just walked into my bathroom and shut the door and cried for like 15 minutes. And, and I didn't know why I didn't know what to do. And that had happened several times, but that was kind of the pinnacle where I was like, all right, I'm going to call someone about this. It took me a long time to realize that having depression after a baby is not a reflection of my capability as a mother. And no matter how, like Stacy said, I mean, no matter how much of a mental health advocate you are, no matter how much your advice to someone else would never sound like the thoughts in your head, it doesn't matter. You still think that, that this is a, some sort of failure on your part, that you just couldn't do it. You couldn't pull through. It's something defective with you. No matter how, how intellectually you and intelligently you understand that that is not the truth. Yeah. And Maya mentioned earlier that she didn't really have postpartum depression necessarily, but it was mostly the change in her life. Mm -hmm. And that was me too. I mean, I, I don't know if, if postpartum depression was related to that even. It's just the reality of, oh my gosh, when is the next time I can just go to the grocery store? And still you couldn't even go to the grocery store in 2020. No. Really? So it's like, I couldn't even do that. And I live in this tiny baby town where there's not a ton to do anyways. There's even less to do as a result of closures from COVID. So that was just really hard. But like I said earlier, it just gets better and better and better all the time. And I don't always feel now that I'm rushing to bedtime. Like I can't wait for bedtime. I used to feel that way every day. And I'm sure that ebbs and flows Right. And depending on the day, if you're home all day or not, but I, I work today. So, today you know, weekend. so it's um, the weekend, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. The weekend's like, oh my gosh, when is seven 30 here? But <laughs> we've all mentioned a different aspect of this today, but postpartum depression can be significantly exacerbated by an absence of a support system. Mm -hmm. And, you know, conversely, it can be minimized with the existence of one, this is something that we want to talk about more in depth um, about support systems and how we have been supported historically and how, um, and how people have supported us through our challenges. So um, hopefully there's more, more to come on that. And we can't wait to talk to you next time. Thanks, Katie. We have more to talk about on this, obviously, like Katie mentioned about the support system, but if you're in any kind of place where you're struggling right now, we talked about this, but don't, don't go at it alone. There's so many resources now. Um, even if it's just talking to a supportive friend, 
but really, we would really encourage you to seek out support. You could seek out a therapist. If you work for an organization or a company, they, a lot of them now have programs where you can get, can get free support. There's also a program called Open Path Collective, and you can research therapists in your area for a reduced rate that you can afford as, you know, therapy has historically been pricey. Um, and then there's just other resources online where you can research therapists in your area as well, but just don't do this alone and you don't have to be alone in it and you don't have to feel any shame and just get the support you needed. Um, so like Katie said, we appreciate you tuning in. We hope that the conversation um, was meaningful and impactful to you and get, gave you a lot of insight. So thank you. Thanks for taking the time to listen to us today. Please be sure to write a review and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at Fem Collective Podcast, and we can continue the discussion by joining our Fem Collective Facebook group. Until next time.